Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 38th edition of the PR Masters podcast series. I'm Art Stevens, your host, and I'm also managing partner of the Stevens Group, a leading facilitator of mergers and acquisitions in the PR and digital interactive space. As you know by now, the PR Masters podcast honors living legends in our profession, individuals who have made a mark in the world of public relations. And we truly have a very special guest today. And I'm so delighted to welcome Fred Cook to the PR Masters podcast series. And Fred is chairman of Golan, one of the leading public relations organizations for many, many years, uh, more than 30 years. And uh, he has also taken on the role of chairman and Golan director of the USC Center for Public Relations in Los Angeles. So Fred has worked at Golan for over 30 years, and he started as an account supervisor in the Los Angeles office, and he moved to Chicago 15 years ago to become Golan's third CEO. And Fred credits the company culture for his long tenure with the organization. And during his time with Golan, Fred has had the privilege to work with a high variety of CEOs, including Herb Kelleher, Jeff Bezos, and Steve Jobs. He's also managed a wide scope of crises for his clients, including airline crashes, product recalls, and sexual harassment. Fred is proud of the firm's accomplishments. And by the way, Golan is, is among the top 12 public relations organizations in the world, as reported by Paul Holmes. But he is even more excited about the future, and the world, the world is experiencing profound changes in demographics, globalization, multiculturalism, and technology, which are impacting the way people who communicate, communicate with each other. So to stay ahead of these changes, five years ago, Golan completely redesigned the agency by adopting a proprietary business model called G4, and Fred will tell us a little more about that, to deliver deeper insights, bigger ideas, and broader engagement to their clients. And since that time, Golan has been named Agency of the Year more than a dozen times. So in two, 2014, Fred published Improvise, Unconventional Career Advice from an Unlikely CEO. We'll find out why he thinks he's unlikely. But, uh, and this, <laughs> this document shares the wisdom that he gained as a cabin boy on a Norwegian tanker, a doorman at a five-star hotel, and chauffeur for drugs. Now, that's an interesting profession. <laughs> In 2015, after speaking on college campuses around the world, Fred accepted an additional position with the University of Southern California as the director of the USC Center for Public Relations at the Annenberg School, whose mission is to shape the future of public relations and those who will lead it through research, education, and thought leadership. That's quite an introduction. That's quite a career. So I'd like to welcome... Fred Cook, who is one of the legends in the PR industry, and how are you today, Fred? I'm fine, Art. Uh, given that we're in the one day after the election, I would like a little more conclusion of that, but other than that, I'm, I'm surviving. Thank you. That was a very nice Good. introduction, by the way. Well, thank you. Well, obviously, fully warranted. So, Fred, you, you've had a, clearly an interesting career. You're You've been with one organization for 30 years. You ascended to the role of chairman, which is a title you presently hold. You've gone on to do this uh, this uh, important project uh, with the uh, USC. 
Uh, first of all, let's let's start with that. Why, could you tell us something about that? How it came about, and uh, and what, why you decided decided to play an active role in it? Well, as you mentioned, I wrote a book a few years ago called Improvise, and when uh, that was released, I spoke on probably 50 different college campuses, including USC, and I talked about. Uh, some of the things I had learned in my career and how to teach people to be leaders. I talked about teaching people to be leaders through courage and, and uh, curiosity and, and creativity. And uh, USC called me and they said they were interested in me coming there. And, I, and I, in talking to them, I said, well, I've been talking about this topic for a long time. I wondered if I could actually teach it. And they said, we'd love for you to try. And that was uh, what motivated me to, to go there. So in addition to running the Center for Public Relations, I also teach a course in improvisational leadership, which is an honors course and an undergrad and a grad course. So how much of a role do you still play with Golan itself? My time is all integrated really i i don't it's hard to put a percentage of time on it but probably half of my time is going and half is usc but it, it all sort of mixes together in uh in a very organic way and i i think complements uh one another it's it's fun to to teach and be exposed to new ideas and and students and and sort of staying abreast of what's happening with that age group and, at the, and exploring the future of PR. And at the same time, I'm very active with our company and our clients, so I can bring that knowledge to my students about what's going on every day in the, in the public relations industry. So, Fred, give us some background on Golan. And, uh, to preface that, you know, uh, I recall it was once called Golan Harris, and then it shortened the name. Yeah. And I, I did know Tom Harris very well. You know, Tom was an old friend. Tom... Uh, has left us, as everyone knows. Um, and uh, I remember getting his newsletter, uh, which uh, was a, yeah. a you know passion of his to to put out a, a wonderfully well put together, very uh, well articulated expression of uh, of uh, Tom's anecdotes about public relations and certainly jazz over the years. So you know, I, I remember the days of Golan Harris. So give us some background on the firm, its history, its leaders, and uh, and how it's grown uh, to the extent it has. Well, we have a wonderful legacy. Uh, it was founded by Al Golan, and uh, that was more than 60 years ago in Chicago. And he's legendary for making a cold call to Ray Kroc, who had about 15 McDonald's restaurants. And Ray invited him over that day and hired him to do their public relations for a very small amount of money. And we work with uh, McDonald's is still one of our largest clients. So we've had a, a, a long tenured history. And, and he brought Tom on to manage the other half of the business that was non-McDonald's. And together they grew from an office in Chicago to being a global uh, powerhouse PR firm. And uh, both of them are, are gone now, just in the last few years, but they've created a wonderful culture. It's a very, um, it's a really warm, friendly, nurturing place to work. And, and I have been there for 35 years. They, they got me when they made their first acquisition in Los Angeles. They bought a boutique firm called Berkmer and Klein, and I have been working there for 
a year or so, and I don't think anybody ever thought I was going to be the CEO of the company. But when uh, when we merged, I I ended up running the LA office, and then ultimately becoming president, and then finally CEO. And it's been the the best job anybody could ever ask for. I have literally loved every minute of 35 years. So, to what do you attribute the tremendous growth Goldman has had over the years? I mean, clearly, it's well into you know six-figure millions. Uh, uh, I guess no one knows the precise number because of, you know that your 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 firm is owned you know by one of the holding companies, yeah. and we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, uh, how did it grow? How did it get so large? Uh, you know, compared to other firms that were starting out at the same time. It's a very good question, and I and I think we are a big firm. We we definitely are one of the largest, but we're we're not huge like Edelman and Weber Shandwick. We're a much more manageable size, and and I I prefer that because we have longer term relationships with our employees. We have long term relationships with clients. We've worked with Nintendo for thirty years, with Texas Instruments for that many. California Avocado Commission, so we have a lot of long-term relationships, and and I think that's what's been secret to our success. We've never tried to be the biggest. We don't uh, go after every client. We like to have a, a more select list of people we work with, and we like to work with them forever. And um, and we've created a culture around Al's and and Tom's uh, beliefs and of hard work and and honesty and, and trying to be ambitious. We, we say we're nice guys who like to kick ass. And, uh, and I think that's what made it fun for me to work with there, there. And I think it's all about our people. If you have really good people in the PR business, you'll be successful. And we have the best uh, team imaginable. Well, obviously they strongly believe that uh, the culture and the chemistry and the uh, the quality of life they have with Golan is uh, is, is something that uh, that uh, creates their loyalty and uh, longevity within the organization. Um, and it's and it's uh, it's been uh, challenging for me this this past year not to be in the office because that was that's a, a big part of uh, the enjoyment of the of our culture is just to have that that contact with people that you you're really friends with, and I, I miss that enormously. It's hard to recreate that on Zoom, although we, we try. Now, you've got offices, uh, I guess, in a, a number of key cities in the U.S. as well as overseas. Uh, uh, uh-huh. How many offices do you have in addition to your flagship office in Chicago? We have about 50 offices. Uh, wow. Not all of them are wholly owned by us. Some are joint ventures that we create in certain markets. But we, we cover the globe uh, pretty well without having an office in every single country. So um, what do you think you have brought to, uh, to Golden that's enabled it to grow? Uh, I know I, I read some, uh, some of your bio, and, and, uh, and it looks like almost that you – it sounds like you developed a, uh, a, a secret nuclear weapon of some sort called uh, – G4. Can you tell us uh, what G4 is? It's, uh, I guess it's the business model that you call G4. So what is it exactly, and what impact did it have? Well, a, a few years back, we realized, our senior team realized that the entire marketing communications business was changing. 
and uh, in, in so many ways. And uh, we also realized that all of the agencies were still operating in the same way they had been for 40 or 50 years. And there wasn't anything wrong with that. We were doing well. We were very successful, but we thought we would should um, restructure ourselves so that we would be sort of the agency of the future. And we spent about a year examining what our clients needed, what our employees wanted, and what would be good for our business. And we took dismantled a, um, a hierarchy that had been built over time. We, we had about we had more ranks than the uh, the U.S. Army, and everybody was kind of a generalist. And and we realized that our business was becoming too complex for one person to be good at everything. So we divided instead of having all these uh, generalist categories, we threw all of that out and created four communities, and, and that's the four in G4. And, uh, and each community for, was organized around a principle. So we had the strategists, and their job was to analyze the research and, and to do measurement and to come up with insights. We have uh, the creators whose idea, an idea for them was to come up with big ideas and implement those big ideas, whether they were digital ideas or whether they were written ideas or whether they were video production. So we created a whole creative department. And then we had connectors. And the idea there was to take these ideas and connect them with the right audiences. And most agencies divided their social media department, their digital department, from their traditional media department. We didn't. We put it all together and called them uh, connectors. And in the center of the model were catalysts, and those were the account managers who uh, understood integrated marketing, who brought new ideas to the clients, who developed the proposals and budgets, and managed the whole team. So we went from a, a hierarchy of generalists to a community of specialists, and that was the, the secret for G4. And then we launched it after about a year, and we weren't sure that anybody would notice, but it turned out to be a huge uh, event in the PR industry because nobody had ever done anything like this before, and, um, and we, we got a ton of attention for it. And then ultimately, many of the other agencies uh, copied our uh, model, our formula, and implemented it themselves in, in different ways. So uh, this, uh, I, I presume, uh, based on what uh, I described about your background earlier, apparently since that time, uh, Golan has been named Agency of the Year more than a dozen times. Uh, I guess, yeah. uh, I guess the industry took notice uh, from from what the sounds of it. Well, I, I think so. I mean, we we're a Chicago-based agency, and I think people think of us a little bit differently than they might other agencies. So some. Some people in the industry were surprised that Golan was the, the is, was the first to do something so radical like this. But we've always tried to be innovative. We've always tried to be ahead of the curve. And we recently rebranded ourselves as a, a progressive PR agency. And, and again, we're, we're doubling down on the notion of public relations. We're not trying to be something that we're not. But we're doing a very progressive public relations, which is, very diverse, very innovative, and and we we're always trying to stay ahead of the competition. That's our 
That's our goal. So what what impact has uh, COVID-19 had on the agency? I, I gather, like most agencies uh, currently, uh, people are working from home and uh, you've got so many offices. And uh, what, what have you learned to do and how have you been able to manage it all? Well, like everybody, initially it was a huge shock. But we were fortunate not to be exposed in some of the categories like travel or aviation and, uh, and categories that were hit super hard. So we, we survived the initial onslaught pretty well. And then since then, we have won uh, an enormous amount of business during this period of time. And, and our, uh, our financials will be – we're having an excellent year, which is was remarkable given the obstacles that we have faced. And I credit our people for um, – for uh, for adapting so well to this environment, we're you know having meetings on Zoom and on, on Teams. We use Teams at, at going, pitching business, managing clients, executing programs, and we're we're having a really uh, fantastic year given uh, the challenges that we faced. And and I'm hoping that you know sometime in the first quarter of next year, I hope that we'll begin to go back to our offices and and be able to take the things we've learned during the COVID quarantine and, and apply those to the work that we're doing in more normal situations. Yeah, you know, a lot of agencies are kind of in conflict right now about whether they will actually return to bricks and mortar uh, or whether they will, uh, you know, continue to uh, be uh, virtual agencies and, and work from home. But uh, it sounds like you've made the decision to head back to your to your bricks and mortar. Well, I think we will have we will have offices wherever we are. It'll probably be a sort of a hybrid uh, situation where people will have more flexibility to work from home than they did in the past. But we already had uh, an unlimited PTO program and a work from home program. So uh, people were already pretty, we were already very flexible in how we operated. So I don't think this will be uh, much of a challenge for us, but it'll be nice to see the people um, and, and hang out with the people that you work with and not see them in little squares on your laptop. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So, Fred, you you know, uh, you obviously wrote a book called Improvised Unconventional Career Advice from an Unlikely CEO, and then you said you shared uh, the wisdom that you gained as a cabin boy on a Norwegian yeah. tanker dormant at a five-star hotel and sh a chauffeur for drunks. Uh, let's start with those three before I ask you about why you call yourself an unlikely CEO. So, uh Tell us about being a cabin boy, a doorman, and a, and a chauffeur. How did, were those uh, clearly those are jobs you have when you were considerably younger? I assume. <laughs> well, I, I was younger um, for sure, and and what I did in the book, I I have I think it's ten chapters, and each chapter talks about another job that I had, like the three that you mentioned, and 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 I talk about what I learned from that particular job and how I apply and how. You can apply that to your own career. So, for instance, um, Driving Drunks was a company that I started called Sober Chauffeur in Los Angeles. And it was – today it would have been Uber, but in, in its time it, it, it failed miserably because all my clients were drunk. Uh, 
and they never did remember to call me. But the idea uh, behind that is uh, about being an entrepreneur and the importance of, of starting your own business and, and being a CEO of that operation and learning all of the different aspects of, of entrepreneurship and then, and then taking that sort of spirit of entrepreneurial, um, that entrepreneurial spirit and applying it to your job uh, wherever you work. So we, the students, when we do that, uh, we read that chapter, they all create their own business. Um, Ask the Captain is a story about how I got a job as a cabin boy. It was by asking a captain of a Norwegian ship if he would take me on board and allow me to work for passage. And he said no, and, uh, and I politely left, and I went back a couple of hours later, and I asked him again, and the second time he said yes. And I got to travel around the world on a tanker, and the lesson there is you've got to learn to ask for things, not to be afraid to ask for something if you want it, whether it's a job or a raise and um, that sort of thing. And the exercise in class for that is each person chooses a captain, someone at a company where they want to work that is fairly high up in that company, and they have to stalk that person all semester and get a meeting with them, or in this case right now a Zoom call. So I try to take the things that I learned from these experiences and teach them and help people learn how to negotiate, how to network, how to, um, you know, how to build a business, all, all things that I think are very valuable in the public relations world. So what did you learn as a doorman at a, at a five-star hotel? It's all about customer service. Uh, I, and when you're a doorman, and I, I always hope my students will work for tips. Because when you work for tips, you learn everything there is to know about customer service because that's how you make your money. Mm-hmm. And I teach them that it's usually the little things that matter. It's not these big, giant gestures, but the little things that you do for people that really have an impact. And I talk about how I apply those in uh, my work today. So given all this background, uh, you know, you – brought it to Golan where you were able to implement your views and vision uh, going forward. Um, Mm -hmm. And given that, you know, uh, what do you feel that your personal uh, accomplishments within the uh, PR PR world, and and particularly, obviously, Golan, what do you feel that your greatest accomplishments have been in the world of public relations? Oh, I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I was honored to, to take on the legacy of Al Golan. And when I took on that role, the agency was not doing particularly well. And so I, I feel very proud that I was able to sort of create a financial turnaround and a reputational turnaround for what I think is the very best agency there is. Uh, so the, the performance of Golan gives me great, great pride. And I think beyond that, part of my job at Mission at USC is is to promote the public relations industry. I am, a, I think the PR industry has a bit of an identity crisis, and uh, I'm proud to be in public relations. I think it's one of the most dynamic professions ever. It's creative, it's exciting, it's interesting, and um, and I want to attract the best people in it. And I. And I work really hard at the school to inspire people to um, 
be in this profession because I think we need more leaders. We need more creative people. We need more dynamic people to take advantage of the opportunities we have right now in PR. So I'm a big advocate, a big cheerleader for the for the PR industry, and I and I enjoy doing that. I enjoy trying to inspire people to to be part of this great profession. So, given that, uh, Fred, uh, here's a real open-ended question for you. I guess you can respond to it any way you like. But uh, how do you think PR has changed during the during all the years you've been in it? Well, it's become more complicated, for sure, uh, from a technical point of view. It's become more specialized. As I said before, you in the beginning, I sort of was a jack of all trades. I did everything, and I don't think you can do everything well now. It's become more purposeful, and that's the part that I'm enjoying right now. I think we've, we've added a lot of meaning to our work, and and I think the kinds of programs we see happening now really are contributing to the you know the the betterment of mankind and and I think that's where we're we're headed directionally. Uh, I think it's become a more important profession. I I used to remember in the beginning they would say last to be hired, first to be fired, and I think that is the opposite now. I think our our profession is extremely valuable to our clients and to in-house to our, our, you know, the CEOs. So it's, it's just, it's changed in dramatically in, in, in many ways. And I think all for the good. And uh, that's why I think it's so attractive. That's why so many people study it at USC and everywhere else, because they want to be part of this, uh, this growing, exciting profession. What was your reason or your, you know, the management's, uh, reasoning at Golan to to be acquired. You know, uh, obviously you joined up with uh, one of the uh, premier uh, holding companies. Uh, I guess there are about four or five of them out there that have made a lot of acquisitions of major yes. uh, public relations organizations. Did you have a particular reason? Uh, what was your thinking in, in doing that? Well, it wasn't my idea. Uh, uh, it was Al Golan and Tom Harris who uh, were acquired by Footcone Building, the advertising agency, big advertising agency in Chicago. And ultimately, Footcone was acquired by Interpublic, IPG. Uh, and I, the firm I worked with was acquired by Golan. So I, I, <laughs> I'm not against being acquired. I think it's not a bad idea. The uh, Interpublic is uh, a huge company. But the, the management of it is very supportive of us, of public relations. It's not a, uh, an adversarial relationship. They support us. They uh, give us a ton of autonomy to do things like G4 and experiment with our work and our people. So I, I'm a big advocate of it. Uh, I think that uh, we have a lot of great partners in the advertising world and special events world and sports marketing world. So it's it's been a good experience for me. I know it isn't for everybody, and I know some of the other holding companies are, are not quite as benign as in their public. But for Golan, it's been a, a good experience. So what are the keys to growing a, a global agency, Fred? You know, you've obviously helped build one of the top dozen agencies in the world, um, and uh, you obviously have uh, succeeded, you know, some other legends in the industry, uh, Al Golan and Tom Harris. Um, 
What do you think that you brought to the party? Um, you said you obviously turned it around financially. Uh, uh, it was not doing well when, when uh, you know, Al passed the reins, you know, to you. Um, what, what, are, what are the keys to growing a global agency, and, and what do you think you personally brought to the party uh, in terms of how you did it? Well, I think, first of all, it's the people. It's hiring and, and keeping the best people, and I, I talked about that. Uh, one thing I did when I, when I started was uh, there was a sort of a sense of complacency within, in, in the company about our success, and people seemed to be happy coming in second place. We'd congratulate ourselves for a job well done. And I always felt like if you want to attract the best people and you want to keep them, they want to be part of a winning team. And that's the part I love about the PR agency business. It is like a sport. You're always competing with other agencies. Sometimes they're bigger. Sometimes they're smaller. Um, it, it, It just depends. And that competition to me is motivating it's uh, exciting and it's fun, and uh, and winning makes you feel it's just like winning the World Series or winning a, right. uh, uh, any kind of uh, uh, sporting event. So I put a lot of emphasis when I first started, the first few years as CEO, on winning. And every time we'd win a new piece of business, I would give people a little trophy and a little personal note and a little bit of money, and we just celebrated the fact that we were successful. And the funny thing happens when you start doing that, you start winning more and more and more. So I think that, that winning to me was always a key to uh, our success, and I still feel that same way. I, I, I get excited every time we win a new client or win an award or um, do something great for one of our current clients. So what, what do you think going will look like in, uh, in 10 years? In 10 years, well, we have a new CEO with Matt Neal. Uh, he has been with us for quite some time, but he's a very innovative guy. He's a, he's a Brit, and he's living in New York, and I think he has lots of exciting ideas uh, for our future. Uh, one of the main things he's focused on is diversity. I think that's one of the things that uh, the PR industry overall is not particularly good at, and uh he has made it his mission to make our company more diverse, not not only in terms of the the, uh, the demographics, but also in terms of our ideas and our approaches. So I think in 10 years you'll see a much more uh, diverse company that will have um, not only all kinds of people, but all kinds of uh, 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 capabilities, and will be able to serve any client, any place, um, almost on any topic. And I think that uh, we've also got a strong management team who have been with the firm for a long time, Gary Rudnick and Ellen Ryan Mardix and Scott Farrell and Brian Beck and uh, and general managers of our offices. So we've got a really strong team. They won't all be there forever, but I think that uh, when you have a – a management team like that, you can look forward 10 years and think it's going to be pretty good. What, what uh, factor will the, uh, the current economic climate and, and, of course, combined with uh, COVID have uh, on your agency like in the next few years? 
Well, like I said, we've done remarkably well, knock on wood, uh, during this last year. And I'm hoping that the business we've won will continue to propel us forward. But we're we're fortunate. We have a, a, a lot of strong offices, a lot of strong management teams. We're bringing in a, a lot of really bright young people, many from USC. So I think as long as we can keep that flow of, of uh, innovation and of ideas and of enthusiasm, I think the next years are going to be really good. And, and, and it'll be good for other agencies too. I, I have a lot of faith in the, in the PR industry and I, and I think we're going to continue to, to gain more respect and more revenue and more attention. And uh, so I, I feel I'm very bullish on where PR is headed in the, in the future. So what kind of uh, present and future employees do you think uh, the public relations industry and particularly the agency industry might be looking for? I guess in the old days, people came came out of journalism or, or general background or in Bachelor of Arts and what have you. But, uh, uh, you know, given the fact that, you know, you have uh, created uh, G4 uh, and uh, have people who focus on the vision of each of those major uh, groups, uh, obviously the type of person you will be hiring now and in the future will change. How will it change? What will you be looking for? Well, that was the whole point of G4 was to uh, acknowledge and create a model that allowed people to do what they're good at and not used to be the only route to success in a PR firm was through account management. And, and some people are good at that and other people aren't. And we wanted people to have, be able to have a really successful career in media, a really successful career in data analytics, a really successful career in production and design, with maybe never having to manage clients. So I think that the, the, what's happened, and which is so exciting, is, is this, um, uh, this specialization, the ability to work at a PR firm and, and do what you're really good at and what you're really passionate about, because I think it's, it's much more enjoyable in that way and, and the work you produce is even better. So there's this diversity of skills that I think is, uh, is, is so critical to our future. I mean, we bought an ad agency. We own an ad agency now. So it's, it's, we, we think we can do almost anything and then on top of the diversity of skills, the diversity of thought, and the diversity of background, I think that uh, the future, the people that are coming into the agency are going to be more diverse in every way. And I see it in my classrooms uh, at USC. USC is a very diverse school, and we have people from all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of different countries and different ethnic groups and different um, income levels, and, I, and it's, it's way different than it used to be. So I think that the, 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 the PR, the entry-level PR person is uh, a much more diverse and much more well-rounded uh, person with some really special skills, and I think that's what's going to make things exciting for all of us. So, Fred, a question close to my heart because, uh, as you know, uh, I facilitate mergers and acquisitions through the yeah. Stevens Group um, and, of course, had my own previous firm, Lopes & Stevens, 
uh, acquired by publishers. So uh, I've, I've been very deeply involved in the world of acquisitions over the past you know, 10, 12 years now. Uh, what's your view about the role of acquisitions? Obviously, you were originally in an agency that was acquired that sort of got you into yeah. Golan, and then, of course, you were with Golan when, when Golan got acquired. So what's your view about the yeah. role of acquisitions in the PR agency world? Well, that's a really good question, Art. I, I think, obviously, I was a part of an acquisition, so I was, I was happy that that worked out, and, and, and Golan, as part of that acquisition, got me, and I've been there 35 years. So sometimes that can be a very um, valuable proposition. Um, but other times, if you, if you don't do due diligence on who you're partnering with, you can find yourself with a, a world of hurt. <laughs> and I think that the, the secret to a good acquisition is mostly cultural. Uh, do you really like the people that you're working with? Do you trust them? Do they have the same values as you do? Because otherwise it's just a financial transaction. And we're in a, in a people business. And if the people leave after a few years when their earnout is up, and um, it's, it, it doesn't always work out that well. So I think you, you want to hire, you want to acquire people the same way you hire people that you hope will work there for the remainder of their career, uh, regardless of whether they own the company anymore or not. So it's the thing, you know, we made a number of acquisitions over time. I, when I was CEO, we made a number of them in, in China and in Europe and places like that, but um, they weren't all successful. And so I think you have to be uh, really careful uh, how you do it. And if, but if you get it right, it can be a great way to grow uh, both your capabilities and your revenue. So, Fred, a young person uh, uh, is, uh, is hired by uh, Golan, uh, and it's an yeah. entry-level uh, uh, position. Um, what is your advice uh, to that person as to – uh, how to get ahead quickly and get on the fast track to success within within Golan? Well, my whole book is about that. But one thing that I tell our interns, and we have lots of interns, is to get outside of your cubicle and meet other people that are working there. Um, young people today are very intimidated in the workplace, and they don't feel as though they're allowed to uh, develop relationships or talk to the senior people, and that's just a, a giant missed opportunity. So I encourage everybody that's starting out to spend some time on committees, volunteer for events, go around and ask the senior executives if they'll have coffee with you, and sort of get to know who's making a difference in that company and who can make a difference for your career. And even if you're just there for three months, get noticed. Do something that people will remember whether it's bringing the world's best brownies uh, to the office for everybody or whether it's, you know, participating in a brainstorm and bringing some big ideas. And, and I think that you, you have to leave an impression uh, when you're, when you're in, a, in a firm like ours. And, um, and, 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 and kids today are reluctant to do that. So they need a little encouragement on that front. And you have been the great encourager, without question. Uh, so <laughs> I try. I've got a couple. I've got a couple more questions for you, and I, I right. appreciate your time very much. This has been very, very, very productive and uh, entertaining. Uh, first of all, you know you're you are so busy. You've got 
you work with uh, USC and you've got your work with Golan. Uh, so I'm not even sure uh, you have any spare time. But if you have spare time, what, what do you do with it? Do you have hobbies, uh, things you like to do when you're not uh, focusing on public relations? Yes, I, I run. Uh, I have run about 20 marathons in the last 10 years. Wow. And uh, that, so that's that's what I love to do. But I have had a bad pandemic. I had surgery on my shoulder. I had plantar fasciitis, and now I have a knee problem. So I haven't been able to run for a few months, and it's driving me crazy. So I'm hoping that now that um, some of this stuff is uh, is passing, that I'll I'll be back out there and uh, being able to to run again, uh, another marathon, hopefully in the coming year. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. They do good times in the, in the marathons? No, I'm getting slower and slower, but I, I really don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I'm just happy to be able to do it and cross the finish line. It's it's great. And at, and, and at Golan, we have a marathon team. We run the Chicago Marathon together. Scott Farrell leads that, and we raise money for the Ronald McDonald House. And we've done that for almost 10 years, and it's, it's a great experience. We have 15 or 20 people running together. It's really fun. Yep. So, Fred, my, my final question uh, for today's conversation is, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I really have never thought about that. I, I'm, not, um, I'm not the kind of person that, thinks a lot about being in the spotlight or uh, being famous for anything that I do. I just, I'm happy. I feel fortunate to have been so lucky to work with such wonderful people at Golan and then the same thing at USC. I, I've been blessed with uh, such cool opportunities. And even before that, I've traveled all over the world and I've done so many interesting things. And I think that's the that's the reward for, for me. And uh, if people remember me for something, then that's just icing on the cake. That's, that's, that's a terrific answer. That's a terrific answer. And that kind of sums up who you are, Fred Cook. So I would like <laughs> to thank you so much for being with us today, Fred. This was a really entertaining and, uh, and informative uh, discussion. I thank you for your time. Continued success to you at Golan and at USC. And uh, um once again, uh, Golan is a great agency. Uh, obviously, having been in the industry myself for so many years, I can attest to that. Uh, it has fine people, and, and it's got wonderful clients. So, Fred Cook, thank you so much for being with us today. It was my pleasure. It was, uh, your questions were really fun. Thanks a lot. Thank you. So, uh, on behalf of our listeners, uh, Fred, I thank you for joining us today, and I'd like to uh, thank all of our listeners uh, who have become an integral part of the PR Masters podcast series. Uh, I'd like to invite all of you to continue to join in uh, when we have uh, new guests who are legends in the industry. You will hear more about our upcoming uh, uh, guests and uh, uh, who they're connected with. So once again, until next time, uh, when I meet you again at the PR Masters podcast series, I'm Art Stevens, wishing you all the very best. <laughs>